Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is July 19th, 2016, and it is shaping up to be a very warm day. <laughs> it's, I think, something already around 78 or 79 degrees, which not bad, right? Only it's going to get hot really fast. This week's supposed to be very hot, and it'll feel hotter than usual. I do know that one of the days this week is supposed to hit 101 or 102, and that's not the feels-like temperature, apparently. That's just the temperature. So we may be staying inside on that particular day. Um, Some of you know that I've been getting outside a lot this spring and summer and doing a lot of work in the yard, and it's been so much fun. But what's allowed me to do that is the fact that I did not do the farmer's market this season. Um, This is the first time in about 13 years that I have not done the farmer's market as part of my business, the tea trove. And it's been, it it was an interesting adjustment, a quick adjustment, but it's been great because I've gotten so much accomplished outside. We live on about 10 acres of land and there are lots of trees and it's just, it's beautiful, really absolutely beautiful. You know, you get to see the the red-tailed hawks and some other hawks on Eagle one day. That was amazing. It was up in a cottonwood tree at the front of our property. Um, just I've never seen one up that close, which was really fun. Got some pictures. Uh, you see owls. You hear owls. You hear the coyotes. You don't see those, by the way. You just hear those. And they can be quite loud in the evening. And honestly, they hearing them, when, when we first moved out here, um, I heard this just horrendous sound. And it it sounded like an animal being tortured. And it wasn't quite a dog. So I didn't know what it was. And I came running downstairs. My husband happened to be in the TV room. Um, and I was like, what? What is that? What is that? And he said, oh, it's the coyotes, coyotes. What? I had never encountered that before. But that incident was actually the inspiration for writing The Coyote Wars, my middle grade novel that I've been working on off and on for a very long time at this point. The beginning of the story has been rewritten. I can't even tell you how many times. And various parts of it have been rewritten. I've gotten feedback from kids. I've gotten feedback from adults. It's just something about it's not working. So I tend to work on it a little bit, put it down, work on it a little bit, and put it down. It's just something's not working. But the inspiration for that story actually was this encounter, hearing the coyotes in, across the road. It sounded like they were across the road, and there's sort of a there's farmland there, and there's sort of a, a ditch or a gully. And I thought, I wonder if that's where they are. And so that became part of the story that I eventually wrote was where this family of coyotes lived and what they were encountering. Um, And they first show up in my children's book, Dante, one of my Dante stories, which I haven't published. I published the first one, Dante, uh, but I have two more that I haven't gone back to yet. They're written. I don't have illustrations for them. But the children's stuff, the middle grade writing, that hasn't been my focus um, of late. And it's interesting because I, I, I'm discovering that there are certain periods 
of the year where I, I really can focus on a particular thing. Apparently, summer is not my time to focus on my writing of fiction just generally. You'd think I'd be able to get a lot accomplished, but no, it doesn't happen for me that way. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I am discovering I have certain times when I really can get very focused on, on what I want to do. It seems as though summer, spring, summer is a good time for me to focus on shorter projects. So things like um, I'm working on a new book, nonfiction, um, geared towards busy moms and that sort of thing. And that's a, a fun thing to write and to work on during spring and summer for some reason for me. And another thing I think falls in this category is writing memoirs, writing things about your family or uh, about yourself and all that. And so today... I'm going to talk just a little bit about memoir writing, which I've only honestly dabbled in. And I, I had a guest scheduled. Dennis Ledoux was supposed to be here. He may still join us. I don't know. Um, but if he does, great. I'll bring him into the show. If he doesn't, well, we'll just go on. And I'll share my thoughts about writing memoir. So my first book that I wrote was nonfiction. And it's a book of essays. And it's called My Life in Black and White. Um, and I have since changed the cover on it and adjusted some things. So you can go check it out. It's over on Amazon. I think I have it up there for like 99 cents or something. But at any rate, it's a book of essays. And it's all about my experience growing up as a biracial person in the United States, growing up, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, and then, of course, now an adult who experiences interesting things, still being a biracial person in America and, and the things that happen, the challenges that come up and the funny moments that happen or the things that I put a funny twist on that happen. But I never thought of that as memoir writing. I was just, I had a collection of some of the essays when I did the second edition of the book. I added some new essays and I added a whole section, question and answer section, because I kept getting questions from people, common questions. I thought I should just answer these in the, in the book. So I did a second edition. But a lot of those essays that are included in My Life in Black and White actually are things that I wrote over a very long period of time. Um, beginning in college, because I took a lot of writing courses in college, and I did not change them. I still had copies. I picked them up. I read through them. And it's amazing to me how you can read through something like that, and it takes you right back to where you were when you wrote it. And so there's several essays that are like that, and they just got included into the book. Or occasionally I had a maybe a my stab at writing a poem or something. They got put into the book, and it was more, it was, it was like a cross between an essay and a poem, short essay and a poem, and I didn't know what to call it, so it was in there, but it fit in the theme of the book, which had to do with race and being biracial in the United States. So that's what that book is about, but I never really thought about it as memoir. And maybe it doesn't fit as memoir. You know, a memoir is supposed to be sort of a, a snapshot of a, a period in your life or a specific event in your life and how it unfolded and, and all of that. Maybe it does fit, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe other people can read the book, My Life in Black and White, and, and tell me if they think it fits into memoir. But I didn't actually categorize it as memoir when I initially put it out. I, I tried to find a category, and I think this is really important. I tried to find a category that it would work, and I was being way too specific. And even now, I'm thinking, gosh, I, where should I put it now? Because I think the category that My Life in Black and White falls in now or, or a couple of categories might be, I had it under psychology, I had it under social psychology, I had it under counseling um, at one point because I know of counselors who work with biracial kids and, and they're always looking for resources. So I think I had it there for a while. But I went back and I Googled 
a, a book that I've really enjoyed reading, and it's called My Floating Grandmother by Gerald Schnitzer. Now, some of you might recall that he's been on Back Porch Rider program a few times, and I love talking with uh, Gerald Schnitzer. He is you know, someone who's he's in his 90s, and he is constantly active and still teaching screenwriting and, and, and acting. He's a producer, um, worked with people like Bella Lugosi. I mean, this guy, amazing, right? And so he wrote My Life or uh, My Floating Grandmother and sent it to me, and I read through it. It was thoroughly enjoyable to read this, and it's memoir. And he's got it categorized, or whoever put it up for him over on Amazon. It is in sports and outdoors, outdoor recreation, skiing. That's the specific category. Then it's in books, humor, entertainment, humor, parenting, and families. Then it's in books, sports and outdoors, and winter sports. Now, having read the book, I know why it's in these categories. And that's what we have to remember is that memoirs, from my experience with my life in black white, that first came out in 2011 and then I did the second edition, I think, 2014, they're hard to sell from my perspective. They're not, I don't think they're an easy, easy sell for someone who's unknown, like myself. And so finding that right category is pretty important. And what whoever posted that for Gerald in My Floating Grandmother uh, for his book really was thinking very clearly because they took certain keywords that were within the book that were mentioned in various chapters of the book and then put that in, that's the category they looked for. And it really does legitimately go in those categories. And there is a ton of humor in that book. So go check out My Floating Grandmother. I think it's a great example of writing humorous memoir. Certainly not all memoirs are intended to be humorous. Um, my book, My Life in Black and White, has some humor element, humorous elements to it, but it certainly has some very heavy topics in it because, you know, quite frankly, being a biracial kid growing up in the 70s and the 80s and all that, it wasn't an easy thing. And dating was a challenge and uh, being the only person of color in a room was a challenge or being one of maybe five in a room was a challenge. If you've never experienced that, that is a very interesting thing. Uh, so if if you've never experienced it, you can certainly put yourself in those situations for by visiting people who don't look like you, um, churches or uh, organizations or things like that, and get a little snippet of what that might be like. But it won't be exactly the same. They'll give you a little snippet of what it might be like. So writing memoir, I started to look this up because I was expecting to be sp- speaking with uh, Dennis here. So I thought, oh, I should go look up some elements of writing memoir because I've never really gotten into it too much. I had one other guest that came on and talked a little bit about memoir writing. Um, but I came across two articles that might be helpful to you. And they may be a little bit dated, but you could check out Reader's Digest, How to Write Your Memoir. And then Writer's Digest had one called The Key Elements of Writing a Good Memoir. Now, right now, you're hearing a couple of things in the background. Hopefully, it's not too disruptive. I apologize for that. Um, but in any case, Writer's Digest and Reader's Digest both have um, – articles that are about writing memoirs. The one over at Writer's Digest is the key elements of writing a good memoir. I'll try and get the link and and put it in the notes here on Blog Talk Radio so you have it. And the Reader's Digest one, I like it when people put lists. I don't know about you, but I just find that a lot easier to to scan. So they had five tips for starting your memoir. And the first one was uh, write a memoir, not an autobiography. Uh, And their whole point is that you're not trying to write everything. You're just trying to get a little snippet in time and 
talk about in an event and create the arc from there. Uh, and then the step two is diagram your life uh, because, again, you just want to get the story out. I, I know some people find it very hard to write memoirs, and I think this could be key. It's because it's sort of overwhelming. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, what? so many things have happened. I've done so many different things. What would someone want to read about? How can I connect with someone? Uh, and so diagramming things and, and writing down I know that uh, Dennis mentions this in some of his work. Come up with a whole bunch of, like a long list of just things that happened in your life, events, incidences that happened in your life. So you have this long list to work from and then sort of see what pops out at you and play with that a little bit. So back to the Reader's Digest. The number three thing was don't begin at the beginning because, you know, a lot of stories don't begin at the beginning when you read them. Um, And that's what keeps them so interesting for us. We're just sort of, plucked into a spot and going, okay, what's going on here? And there's something exciting happening, perhaps. Number four suggestion is use all your senses so you can transport the reader and yourself. As I said in the beginning of this, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how I can go back and read one of the essays that I wrote when I was maybe 19 years old, and I'm taken right back to that place, that moment. All the feelings, the emo- everything is there. And so I find that very interesting. So make sure you're using all your senses. And, of course, make it a habit. Uh, the fifth suggestion they have here in the Reader's Digest one is to it, it essentially, like every writer tells you, you need a writing habit. And most people will tell you, write every day. Even if it's just a few minutes, do some writing every day. And I, sometimes they say, oh, I don't write every day. It's actually not true. I end up writing every day in some form or another. And it might be five minutes. It might be 10. It might be 30 minutes. And it could be on a variety of, projects, but I am doing that on a pretty regular basis, I have to say. So that's the the Writer's Digest and the Reader's Digest um, memoir writing suggestions. Like I said, I'll try and update these notes here, the show notes after this is over, and and put the links there, and I'll give you a link to uh, my floating grandmother, which you should definitely check out. So the, the memoir thing, I don't know that I would do it again, I have to say. And I did it the, the first time, and like I said, it may or may not be considered a memoir, but it was more of a, I wanted to do it to help other biracial kids um, and let them know they weren't alone in, the, in whatever they might have been thinking or feeling. And I also wanted my kids to be able to read these, this book and get a glimpse into what it was like for me growing up as a biracial kid in the United States, because my children don't look that way. My children can pass, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, my children can pass, and what that means is that they can pass for white. And so when you look at them, that's what you will see. Um, and then, and, I, and it's interesting because it creates really unique experiences. We could be out somewhere, and I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked whether or not they're my children. And that can be quite frustrating. Of course, I try to approach it with humor, um, but I get asked that on a pretty regular basis, whether or not they're my children, because they apparently don't look like me, which isn't accurate. They actually do look like me. If you really look at them, they look like me, especially my daughter. But it's, people are looking at the surface and everything like that. So I wanted them to be able to read my experiences um, as a kid and then as a teenager and navigating the dating world and being in a school that was – I went to an all-female high school and then um, – and it was predominantly white. And then the school I was that we had a brother school with was predominantly white. So I was mostly in a in a white environment. So dating became 
a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of an issue to navigate. And so I talk about that through some of the essays. And then I go into the college experience and, and what that was like. And then a little bit, like I said, into the adult experience. One I will share with you very briefly. I spent, my family and I spent some time in Canada. We were in Calgary, and by family, my husband and our kids, we were in, in Calgary for quite a while, and I was taking them to lots of different parks. And one park, I was sitting there and playing with my kids, and then I was just kind of watching them. I sat down on a bench, and this woman struck up a conversation with me. Um, she's a white woman. And at one point, she finally said, she asked me about the kids, and she figured they weren't mine. And I indicated, yes, they are mine. And she said, wow, they don't look anything like you. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, what if, what if I had adopted these kids, <laughs> you know? I mean, you don't know any of the backstory when you make these comments to people, right? But I thought that was a really interesting conversation. And so she and I continued to talk, and I explained, wow, if you saw a picture of my daughter, even younger, and my daughter was two at the time, I said, and you saw a picture of me, put them together, the only difference between the two of us in the picture would be the fact that my daughter has very light hair and I have dark hair. That would have been the only difference. And in fact, if you put a picture of my mother at the same age, two, three, myself, my daughter, similar thing. We all look alike. The difference would be that my daughter has really light hair because she gets that from her father. Uh, but we look incredibly alike, and I find that really funny. But the overall, overall thing to remember, I think, with the memoir part is identifying some sort of theme that you want to have go throughout your book and in my case, as I said, it was about being biracial and growing up in the United States and what that was like. And then setting on that theme and then coming up with the different events that you want to sort of highlight. And then if you want to use beats, um, come up with the beats that go with each event that you've got that you want to outline. And I do, I mean, this is one of those instances where I think outlining would be really, really helpful. Normally, I don't spend a lot of time outlining. I might do a little bit here and there, but it seems like, if I were going to do memoir writing and truly get into it, I would probably spend a little more time outlining what I was going to do and figuring it out. Uh, where for fiction, I tend to go a little more freeform um, when I do it. Not completely pantsing anymore, but definitely more panther than outliner on that. So I hope this is helpful. I, I'm sorry that my guest, Dennis Ledoux, was not able to join us here today. Uh, but, you know, go check out the uh, Writer's Digest and the Reader's Digest information on memoir writing. You could certainly look up Dennis Ledoux and, and his information on memoir writing. And like I said, check out Gerald Schinster's book, uh, My Floating Grandmother, because it really is very funny uh, and a, a great read. And you don't have to read it, you know, beginning and that's another great thing about the memoir stuff. You know, you can pick up, read one section of it and then put it down and then come back to it and read it another section and so I like that that's what my floating grandmother is like so go check that out I want to thank you so much for joining me here for this brief episode of the back porch writer oh I should say before I go um, I have openings in September there are three openings in September and then I know October has openings I haven't looked at November or December but um, August is, is booked July is booked August is booked so if you'd like to be a guest on the Back Porch Writer program, be sure to go to the website, backporchwriter.com, look for Guest Spots page, and then just follow the directions. You're going to get linked over to Calendly where you can schedule your interview. And please remember that when you schedule your interview, you need to send me certain information. You will not necessarily receive another email from me saying, hey, I need a headshot or, oh, send me a bio. No, 
you need to remember to do that. The information is all on the guest spots page so that you know what I need and when to send it. Uh, and the phone number and everything is over on the Calendly page as well so you know what number to call and what time to call. So be sure to check all that out when you are scheduling your interview here for the Back Porch Rider program. Again, I want to thank you for joining me. Until next time, pull up a chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Rider. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.